Welcome to the Redeemed Hearts Podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. This episode is entitled Cancer with Christ, Part 2. Worley and Danina will continue their up-close and personal interview with Danina's sister, Christy Wright, about her 12-year battle with cancer. If you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, we recommend you go back to listen before listening to Part 2. Last week, we asked you to pray for Christy's latest surgery that is occurring today, November 14th. Christy and her family are asking God to redeem November, and today's episode is the second part of her story. In this episode, Christy shares some practical thoughts, not only from her side as the patient, but also for those seeking to encourage others. Thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. Welcome again. Hello. If you're just joining us and you had not had a chance to listen to our last podcast, we would encourage you to start there. This is the second podcast that we've had with uh, Danina's sister, my sister-in-law, Christy Wright. And we have been talking with her about her journey with cancer and how it's been going on for 12 years. And so we would encourage you to start with the previous podcast and then uh, and then tune in today. Another just point of note that we want to make is that this has been pre-recorded by the time this comes out. And it will this podcast will come out after Christy had her surgery. We talked about her having surgery on November 14th. And so if you haven't already gotten an update from us, by the time you hear this podcast, we will be giving you an update. But just really thrilled to be able to interact with you, Christy, and to hear from you and just be encouraged by you about God's uh, walk with you in this uh, in this this cancer that he's entrusted to you. So welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. So we want to start and we're going to jump in and ask a a question uh, about what God's done and what you've done uh, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually uh, to help you through this treatment and ongoing suffering. And before you answer that, I just want to say that's part of what we do in this counseling work that we do and what Redeemed Hearts Ministries is about is we believe that when God saves a person, he redeems their heart and he's redeemed us to live mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually from that redeemed heart. And so we want to hear from you. What have you done in those areas to help you as you've gone through treatment and then your ongoing suffering? Yes, well, there's so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to start with mentally. I think uh, the big thing that I've learned over these last 12 years is that Satan wins if he can control our mind. Mm-hmm. In any type of suffering, it is just absolutely imperative that we keep our mind filled with thoughts about God's character. We need to remember who God is, what He's done, where He's been in our lives. Um, Proverbs twenty three seven says, "For as a man, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he." And I've claimed that often to say, you know, do do I think? I'm going to lose this battle with cancer. Do I dwell on that? No. Just like what I talked about in the first podcast, I don't want to think that way because then I feel like I'm giving into that. I'm allowing that to control where we're going. Um, It's good. I feel like a positive mind produces positive thinking. It produces positive actions and beliefs. And there's... You know, there's a lot of practical ways that you can focus on God and Him taking control of your mind, taking captive your every thought. Some things I do feel very simple, but 
I could choose to listen to the top 40 hits or country or the 80s and 90s when I'm driving around in my car, or I can choose to listen to the local Christian radio station and just let that penetrate my mind as I'm driving around town. And so I make that choice. I could, um, I could watch TV and my latest recording while I'm cleaning the kitchen or folding laundry, but instead I choose to listen to a Christian podcast like this one, or listen to a preacher, um, and fill my mind up with scripture anytime that I possibly can. I think it's so important to read scripture. It's so important to surround yourself with people who will speak truth into your life. They will text you scripture. They will email you scripture, um, email you encouragements about something that somebody else has written or just a thought that came to their mind about you and how they see God working in your own story. Prayer is so important. Uh, We need to ask God to take captive of our thoughts. We need to seek and knock and ask every single day to say, God, my mind is yours. I ask you to captivate it. I ask you to take control of it and don't let any evil thought or doubtful thought um, come into, into this space. I think that's really the most important thing is to have prayer. You know, we can't, we can't trust somebody to do this if we don't have a relationship with them. If we don't have a relationship with God and we don't get to know him, we're not in the word. We're not listening to things that are about his word. We're not praying. We can't be in enough of a relationship to really trust him in this area. But if you're doing these things and then you're praying and you're asking God to take over control of your mind, you can trust him to do it and he'll be in those details. Wow. That's good, Christy. I can, if I, I don't want to throw you off track, but just a quick question with that, you know, I, I'm guessing over this 12 year span, you, you, did you know that from the beginning that this is, those are the choices you need to make or maybe how did, how has God developed that in you over these years where 12 years later, that conviction in you's gotten even deeper? Oh, absolutely. This has certainly been taught to me in every new experience that I've faced in the last 12 years. It's, it's a battle, you know, and there's, I mean, if you go just read like Battlefield of the Mind, I've probably read that book four times in 12 years just to remind myself of of what a battle it is and how Satan is after our mind. Mm -hmm. He's after our thoughts. He's, he, he wants us to get discouraged and throw in the towel and say, God, why did you, why did you allow this in my mind, in my life? I'm so angry with you right now. He wants us to be in that space. And I've certainly been there. Mm. I mean, I've laid on my closet floor and cried out to God saying, why are you doing this? What am I supposed to do in this situation? How do I live this way? Um, and God will meet you there. If you're in relationship with him and you're seeking him, even if you Even if you're a baby believer, a baby Christian, if you are talking to God and you are trying to read his word, he will meet you on your closet floor. Mm. Amen. He'll help you. Yes, he will. Um, You, you don't, yes, you do not have to, you don't have to get to this place where, you know, I'm able to look back and, and think about a monumental time when God was faithful to me and focus on that and say, you know, if he was faithful in that, he's going to be faithful in this. And I have enough of those experiences now to claim that. (laughs) But when this first started, you know, I I didn't have as many. So it was harder to go back and really think that God was going to be faithful. And so fear and anxiety could definitely creep in and it, and it usually creeps in in the middle of the night. Mm. So you go to bed and it's quiet and it's silent and there's no distractions and 
your fears will start spinning in your mind and you have to be able to to have that relationship with God and call scriptures up in your mind and pray them to God, asking him to give you favor and um, to take over those thoughts and give you a calm so that you can go to sleep. Very good, Christy. So what do you do with those emotions emotionally? Like you said, anger or just the, you know, the, um, the grieving process over all the loss that has come as a result of cancer and, and some of that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these same practices, right, will, mm-hmm. will apply to these areas of emotional, relational, physical, spiritual. But um, I think it's so important to have a safe person that you can talk to or an outlet, even if it's journaling. Um, which I do a lot of, but to identify what is it that you are feeling? Are you feeling disappointment in what God's allowed? Are are your feelings hurt? You know, sometimes there's there's the verse and 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 forgive me, I can't remember exactly where it is, but the verse says that, you know, God has elected us and some of us he will turn into a beautiful vase and some he will turn into like a garbage bowl. And I remember saying, God, I'm disappointed in you that you've made my life a garbage bowl, (laughs) you know, but, but my garbage bowl has been so filled up every time I feel anger at God or disappointment or discouraged or fear, anxiety. Um, I'm able to go back to him and identify what that emotion is and what does God say about it? Because he's felt all of those things. You know, he he asked specifically before the crucifixion on the cross, if there was any way that um, he said, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And he was praying to God the Father at that time because he was entering into suffering. And certainly I've prayed that. People have prayed that for me. And I've had disappointment when it doesn't come to fruition in the way that I want or that I hoped or ask. But when I look back, I can see that in those moments, in those emotions, in the pain, in the suffering, in the turmoil, I was never alone. Mm. You know, God, he was right with me. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us every second. You know, I mentioned before Jesus holding my hand, and I still picture that. When I'm scared, I reach out. And, and just say, Jesus, hold my hand. And I know after 12 years of wrestling this out with the Lord and wrestling with my faith, and sometimes only having that tiny little mustard seed of faith, that he's actually going to make all things work together for my good and for his glory, um, that he's there. He's always there and he's never leaving us. So I would just encourage people, you know, to reach out to to a counselor in their area, reach out to you, practice journaling. Um, gratitude is a big piece of it. If you're feeling so discouraged, you're feeling like your life's too heavy, you know, write down things. What thankful for? Well, some days there's hardly a thing, right? You're laying in the hospital. You're sick as you can be. You're just, you can't even eat. You can't drink you're nauseated, your body hurts, you're in a ton of pain, what do you do? And, and sometimes it's just, it's in that moment that you, you can say, you know what, God, I just, I need you to carry me. I need you to prove that you're with me. I need to hear from you. Um, and I've certainly, I've certainly had to do that a lot of different times and just almost plead with God that I needed to hear from him in those moments of desperation. And he will talk to you. If you're talking to him and pursuing him, he will talk to you. Um, And I think that for you to speak to a counselor um, or, or journal and identify those emotions that releases the power of that emotion um, that, that you're holding, it's holding a power over you and it allows you to release that. Um, one thing that when I was saying, you know, when you're just at your wits end like that, sometimes I have really even struggled with 
sharing my story. And I know that comes from Satan to say, don't share this story because God's not going to come through for you. And, you know, and I get a fear, just very afraid and timid and, and bashful about sharing the story. And I realized several years ago that God said to my heart, you don't have to protect me. I will protect myself. Um, and so even when he doesn't answer our prayers and we're discouraged and we don't know how to make people feel better about it, which comes from my, my gift of wanting to encourage people, but, um, that he will be faithful. He will use that for his glory and for his good, even when it seems like he didn't come through for me. So, good. um, the, the other thing you talked about was relationally, um, and then we'll go into spiritually, but, you know, relationally, I really just wanted to talk about, I want to talk about a couple of different things. One is because I am married um, and now have been married 25 years, but at the, at the time of diagnosis, I'd just been married 13 years. And then, you know, just less than a handful of years later, I had this total pelvic exoneration, the TPE surgery, and it changed my body physically, um, inside and outside. It changed my energy level. It changed, um, even just my mentality. I mean, I just, it, it attacked my body in every possible way. And I, I feel ashamed, honestly, looking back, I know that God doesn't want me to feel ashamed, but that's a, another emotion that you feel as you maybe act out in different ways of your hurt. But I feel ashamed that I literally sat in my bedroom one day and I gave my husband permission to leave. Hmm. I said, I am not what you married. I cannot give you things intimately anymore that I used to be able to give you. Um, I have the, this colostomy and this urostomy bag, you know, hanging off my belly. There's nothing about me that feels attractive. There's, I can't do things we used to like to do, you know, because of the pain. I can't sit on a bike seat. I can't go ride bikes with you and the kids. You deserve a whole life physically on this earth. You are a good, good man. And you deserve that. And oh, the pain that that caused him. Mm. He was so broken that I would even think that he would want such a thing. Praise God that Mm -hmm. I have a husband who is faithful and committed to the Lord and committed to our marriage. Um, As a lot of people who've had the same surgery that I've had have ended in divorce um, because it's so life-altering. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, but, but my feelings over that were controlling me so much that I would want to push him away. And it was my doctor that actually said, I think you need to talk to a counselor. And he didn't even know this stuff about me, but I was able to speak that out loud to the counselor and say, I did this and I feel it. I believe it in my heart. And she was able to walk me through that 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 was my own insecurities, my own fear, Satan's spiritual warfare against me and my marriage, because he would love nothing less than to see my marriage fall apart because of cancer when we were a very strong uh, married couple at the time. So that's one piece. I think relationally, it it certainly is going to affect you and your spouse, and it's not going to impact everybody at that deep of a level because everybody won't go through such a life altering kind of surgery that I did, but, but it's, it affected that. It affected my children in a way of me feeling guilt as a mom that I couldn't always do the things that I wanted to do with them. And so at times when I did feel good, I probably overcompensated to make it a really big special moment for them because they didn't have all the little moments that I wish that they could have had along the way. Um, and then it affects in good ways. I feel like it drew my, my you know, childhood family even closer together. 
because we all rallied around the same thing. We wanted the same thing. And I think that that um, was a positive way that it affected relationships. And in some friendships, it was positive because they really stepped out and they just, they entered into the suffering with me and they, they walked alongside me in a way that was uncomfortable for them, but spoke a lot of love to me that I realized that they were willing to walk in that. And then some friendships, people will experience that the friend doesn't know what to do. And so they do nothing. And there's some pain caused in that because your friend just quits calling because they don't know what to say, or they quit texting, or they quit coming by, they quit inviting you out because they don't know how you're going to feel. And then you can feel very isolated and alone in that with people who you thought you were really, really close to. And um, so it certainly, it can affect all different types of relationships. And one practical thing that I've realized in that is the way that I interact with other people when they're suffering to be able to say, you know, I, I don't know exactly what you're feeling. I can't really sympathize with that, but I can empathize with the fact that you are suffering. And I want to acknowledge that. I want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm thinking of you and you don't need to spend your energy to respond to me. Just know that I'm here anytime you need to talk and move forward from there. So my interactions with other people have been different because of what I've learned in this, in this area also. It's good. Well, Christy, I mean, we've seen you live through that and live that out. And, um, I, I always tell people that you are one of the most, you know, mentally strong people I know, (laughs) but I do know that you have, that the battle is won and lost in the mind and have watched you do that, whether it is with your emotions, it's with people, relationships, disappointments. Um, so I um, thank you for sharing all of that. And we want to move on now to ask um, uh, you, what are some practical things people have done for you to help you and your family walk through cancer and what might help others gain some insight you know, basically into some ways they could help other people walk through treatment. There's been so many things. I I will say that, go ahead. Did I, did I move forward on the last question before you had, were able to answer everything? Was there anything else? Um, well, we didn't touch on spiritually. Yeah, that's what I was We didn't thinking. touch on spiritually. Yeah, you can go back to that. And then we'll come back to the caregiver. And could, could I say one quick thing? Do you, you want to just ask? Part. Do you want to just ask that? Because then he could edit. Yeah. No. Um, now this will be live, and this is a podcast, so all this is gonna go just like okay. this. But but I want to I want to just make a quick comment about what I heard you say with um, in sharing your shame. And I, and I'm so thankful you would do that because I think that is hard for any of us to do is to share something that we feel like we regret or we wish we'd have done differently. But in doing that, you, we, we all identify with you in, 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 in not knowing what to say in a moment. And just the fact you would tell Billy that and you know billy is one of the finest men that i know and i've known him you know this but before all of this in but knowing that he walked through this with you too and that he was hurt by that and that doesn't surprise me because of the kind of you know thing that became apparent about billy in his own faith as he went through this with you uh, and that he's, you know, he inspired me in being a husband to a wife to think about how he would be involved with you no matter what. And 
you know, I, I think being on the outside of that and, and observing it, it you, you know, God, God entrusted this to you all, and your husband's faith is a big part of this and what he was doing in Billy's life along the way. So I just want to comment on that. I don't, you know, I just think it was well said what you said. I'm so grateful you would. But I think that, um, you know, by even you saying that to Billy, and yes, that hurt him, it, 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 it forced him to have to, inter, you know, communicate back to you about what he wanted to do, that he, you could hear it from him, that he was, he was in this with you for, because of his love for you, but for, for the whole, whole thing that God was taking you through. And we've watched God develop both of you, you know, work in both of you. So I just, for what that's worth. Yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad you said that. And, um, and just, you know, person after person has different things in their life that they feel like I'm, you know, not enough in some manner. I'm not good enough. I'm not um, who, you know, I wish I would be. And so, yeah, shame's a powerful emotion. And just by speaking it, it loses its power. And Satan loses power in that space as well. So... So you're going to say something about spiritually, if you would. Yes. You know, I just, I just want to reiterate that we're in a war. Hmm. As Christians living here in earth, we are in a war and Satan is our opponent. And we know that the Bible says he seeks to destroy us. And it's, it's of critical importance that we recognize that when we're doubting, that God is good, that that thought is from the devil himself. As we question, is God good in this? Is God good in this pain? Is God good in this suffering? Is God good in um, what he's allowing to happen in, in my life? That thought is from the devil. Um, and we need to fight that spiritual warfare. I mean, I don't know that everybody, when they get diagnosed with cancer, thinks, every, you know, a believer says, okay, we're going to go into spiritual warfare. But you are mm. because Satan wants to use that piece of your life that God has allowed to happen to you in this fallen, broken world to make you believe that God is not good, mm. that God is abandoning you, that God is not caring about your tears, that God catches your tears in a bottle. Mm -hmm. He is with you. He never, he says, I will never leave or forsake you. I will uphold you with my strong right arm. And he will. Um, but it's, it's a practice to fight that spiritual warfare that everyone is not always comfortable with. Um, I love Psalm 91. I love it. It talks about, you know, it talks about the arrows that come by day and it talks about the fiery arrows that come at us at night. And, and when you're going through something hard, you know that your day can blow up. You can have a phone call that just turns your whole life upside down in a moment's notice and you were having a good day or at night you can suddenly, that's when you're going to feel bad and you're going to have to go to the ER or you're going to have a panic attack or um, you're going to just lay there with anxiety and fear because you think you may not be here at Christmas. Mm -hmm. What should I do if I'm not going to be here at Christmas? Should I make videos? Should I do photo books? I mean, these are all things that have, you know, mm -hmm. gone through my mind over the years. Um, I, I better get up and clean my closet because if I die, I don't want somebody else to have to clean my <laughs> closet. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so many things that will come to you in that moment. And it's, it's a spiritual warfare. And I find that I will just pick up my Bible and I will open it to scripture, you know? So I would encourage you like say, go read Psalm 91 and the people listening today, open your Bible to Psalm 91, read it, walk through every room in your house and pray it out loud and pray that Satan um, is, is removed from your home which is protected by the powerful blood of Jesus. 
I actually tell my kids and my kids laugh because, you know, I'm not a cusser, but I tell my kids, it's okay to speak out loud and say, Satan, I'm kicking you back to hell in the power of Jesus name. (laughs) And so that's what we joke about in our home. I say, "Mm, today's, I think we need to kick Satan back to hell today, guys. So it's an important piece that we realize a cancer diagnosis, a um, any sort of suffering, any sort of trauma, Satan's in there and he's fighting for you and you have to battle back in order to win that. So um, I think that's, that's a big thing. The other thing I wanted to point out spiritually is that it's allowed me to realize how important it is to prepare yourself before the battle arises. So, you know, mom and dad having us in church, having us vacation Bible school, having us go to church camp every summer, um, sitting in the pew, listening to the adults sing all five verses of that old hymn. (laughs) It's worth it. It's worth it because when I'm in the moment and I am saying, God, I need your help. What will come to me? The fifth verse of the hymn, right? Or (laughs) it will be some old childhood song that I haven't sung since I was 10 years old. Or it's a verse that I, I held on to when I was 18 at college. Things will come back to you and they will help you get you through the battle now. So if you're not in a battle right now, it's coming and you need to prepare mm-hmm. because we live in a fallen world and no doubt something will come to you at so some point, good. unfortunately. So good. Ephesians 6, that the, the, we are not battling against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. It's straight out of the scripture. It's a spiritual battle. And then your reference to Satan, I, I really appreciated that because that's what happened in Genesis. And so Satan has planted that message that, you know, I, that, that's, it's, a, it's based in scripture that Satan doubts God's goodness. And so when we doubt God's goodness as believers, we can know Satan's behind that. Mm-hmm. So well said. Yes. I'm glad, I'm glad we didn't just move past it, that I realized that <laughs> I uh, <laughs> gone too quickly. That's we, okay. I've wanted to miss that piece of it. And it is true. I mean, that's what Satan, you know, basically made Eve believe that he was holding out on her, that there was something, something he was, you know, keeping from her and holding out on her and um, that he wasn't good with what he'd already given and what he'd already provided. So that's really good. Mm -hmm. So anything else on that? Um, no, that's good for now. Can I just say, Chrissy, you're a beautiful vase in my eyes. <laughs> no, God. <garbage. laughs> I actually went to my pastor and said, why is God electing me to be a garbage ball? Mate? <laughs> so we've had, we've had quite the talks about it and laughs. So, well, and I'm not sure. I'm thinking that's from Romans nine, where, you know, it's about the potter and the potter gets to choose. <laughs> How yes. is, you know, whether he's going to make yes. it honorable or, you know, as for the mundane, dishonorable things of life. So <laughs> it's great. Yes. So anyway, my pastor tells me I'm a vase also, but, you know, I'm a cracked one that's had to be kind of glued back together. <laughs> Aren't we all? The next question um, was just really that we wanted to know, you know, since people have really been very good over these 12 years to walk not only with you and your family, but also with us as caregivers, um, if we can just, you know, talk about practically kind of what have they done. And as we do that, hoping that we might, you know, give some of the listeners, you know, they may not be the person that is suffering or, you know, with the diagnosis or the illness, but 
they might be trying to figure out what are some things we can do to even encourage other people. So what would you have to share there? It's such a, it's such an important thing and it's a personal thing. And I find that people want to help. And one of the one of the most important things that you told me, Danina, when I was first diagnosed and so many people were reaching out and saying, what can I do? What can I do? Is to not say, oh, don't worry about it. We're fine. It's covered. But to give them something that they could do because it allows them to feel the joy of supporting you. And I've just, I've always remembered that. And I've passed that on to other people to say, you know, people want to help. So don't, don't steal their joy in being able to serve you in that way. And I think that's a big, a big lesson for the person who's, who's the survivor going through whatever it is that they're going through is to, is to allow other people in your life. Sometimes that requires you to swallow your pride and let people come over when you're not all put together or you're in bed or you're in your pajamas or, um, and that can sometimes be hard even on the rest of the family. Sometimes Billy has said, I don't want somebody to bring dinner because I don't want to have to get myself put together for the visit. And um, so that's something he's had to be selfless about also and remember that that person wants to help and that we need to allow them to serve us in that way. And that's a way that they're loving on us and we can love them back. Um, so that's, that's kind of a message to the, to the person going through the trial. But as far as the practical things that everybody knows is, you know, bringing food and sometimes frozen food is best so that they can do it on a night when things are really busy and they don't have to feel stressed about, um, eating right that second in case there's something else going on in their life. I, I, we always really like the idea of frozen food. Um, and that can be so simple. We had a neighbor who just brought over a frozen lasagna, a bag of Caesar salad and a dollar loaf of French bread from Walmart and texted me and said, I left this on your front door mm -hmm. and we loved it. That was awesome. It was easy. We didn't have to expend any energy um, in any way, people-wise or otherwise. And if you have a spouse that's introverted, sometimes they don't want to be the person that is answering the door and having to make small chit-chat about a very uncomfortable situation when they're already suffering and watching you suffer and hurting in that way. Um, I think books, books are good, but um, I got so many books that there was no way I would ever read them. And all, you know, during my treatment, I've tried to read them over the years, but um, people think that you're going to have a lot of time to read. I think it's really important to realize that the mental capacity is not there to put into reading or doing or, or even writing. Sometimes it's, it's easier to just kind of blank out your mind and watch a show and drift in and out of sleep. So some really cool things that I've gotten over the years has been like a Netflix subscription or Hulu, or you could do, you know, um, a music subscription. I've had Spotify or Pandora subscriptions over the years. People have made me a playlist on their Pandora and then just sent it to me so that I could just listen to their playlist, which I thought was really cool and encouraging as a person who um, really enjoys music. I seen people who just have shown up and realized, you know, I'm cutting my grass. I bet their grass needs cut and they would come and mow the yard or I'm trimming my bushes for the spring season. I bet they're bushes need trimmed and they would show up and do that or rake leaves or plant flowers. Um, my brother, I was not able to lift myself. I had to stay at basically only 10 degrees of an angle off of the bed when I first had my TPE surgery. And so he built a platform so that I could climb into my bed, which was 
too high at the moment, but also it had, um, it had this whole post that came up and over my bed with a pulley that I could just lift myself up with my arms to move my body from side to side or help me roll over to be able to get in and out of bed. And that was amazing. Um, something that a lot of people don't think about, but he's so talented. He was able to engineer something that worked really well. Um, so practical things are important. Um, and I think when people th- thought of my children or my husband, it blessed me so much for them to think about, I'm going to bring breakfast items that Billy and the kids can grab and go on their way to work or to school, or I'm going to bring a bunch of after school snacks for the kids because when people are bringing meals, they don't think about that piece, or I'm going to bring a new toy for the kids to play with because then they'll be, they'll be preoccupied and happy for an hour or so. Um, a lot of people brought coloring books and, and colored pencils. And so when I was bored, but didn't have a lot of mental capacity, I could color um, and do something creative, which I am a creative type. So I need a creative outlet. So that was a good thing for me that, that may not have ever gotten used if it was given to Billy, but I used him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, I, I think it's just being, willing to show up, being willing to enter in. And that can look like a card that can look like a, um, that can look like a verse that somebody just writes cards uh, on some note cards or something and mails you or drops by some different verses. Um, I had a board that I called my hope board and it was a foam core and I decorated it up with all these fancy little pieces of ribbon and flowers and things. And so when people would send me something, they'd send me a note or a verse or um, something that inspired me and encouraged me. If a little kid would color me a picture in their coloring book and then they would tear it out and bring it over, I would hang it with little push pins on that board Mm -hmm. right next to my bedroom or right next to my bed in my bedroom. So I had something that I could look at. And I knew that I wasn't alone in it because all those people that were bringing all that stuff and sending all that stuff were with me and they were praying for me and they were lifting me up. And so I think that's the biggest piece is none of us want to feel alone or isolated in our own suffering. We want to feel like we have a group of people who care and they care enough to enter into it with us. And so showing up and communicating that you're there, um, even sending things that say, hey, I want to tell you what's going on in my life and how God was faithful in my life can encourage the survivor of how God's also going to be faithful um, in this situation. And, And that's always really helpful as well. That's good that you say that because a lot of people will think, well, I'm not suffering near as much as she is. So I'm not going to share something in my life. And yet, I mean, we, you know, happen in just our line of work to hear how often just encourages people to hear about, you know, other people's, other people's lives. So I'm glad you're saying that. Um, And then a couple of things I was thinking. And I've had a lot of people who say that to me, Danina, that say, like, they'll talk about something going on with them because I'll text them and say, how, you know, how's this going? And they'll tell me, but then they're like, but I don't really want to tell you that because that seems so small compared to what you're dealing with. And I think if you don't share your life with that person, that survivor, that just makes them feel more isolated and alone. They still want to be able to be there for you. They still want to live out, feel like they have purpose. Um, that they can they can encourage somebody else, that they can inspire somebody else, that they can help somebody else, even if it's just texting back and forth from from their bed or their couch in the living room. But they don't want their days to just be all about them. Mm-hmm. They they need some things to be able to look outward and think about other things besides just their own pain. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Well, and you know, that advice I gave you, Christy, came out of an older woman in my life saying that to me when I had health issues, kind of the first nine years we were married. And um, she had said that to me. And one of the things I remember doing when it was kind of my turn to come stay at your house um, and help care for your kids and you um, is I, I would start thinking about just some real simple practical things we needed or make a grocery list or I would ask you or Billy or the kids if they had school supplies or things they needed and just started making a list so that when people would say what do you need you know because sometimes it's it's you're it's honestly it's like well I don't even know what I need right now. And our family and with, you know, Billy's parents were involved. I mean, we could look like a very self-sufficient, you know, group of people. And we really, you know, were doing a lot of that. But um, it, it just, I think it can practically help to just make lists of just little simple things as they come in your mind. And then if somebody asks, you're not like put on the spot. You already have that and thinking, you know, I wish I had some thank you cards that I'd like to mail people right now. And that's on the list. So you don't even have to think about it. Um, so something practically like that. Right. And, and stamps. Stamps. You know, I remember people sending me thank you cards and then they would send me stamps with it so that I didn't have to worry about how I was going to get them in the mail. And that was so important. And like, like after my big surgery, I can wear anything around my abdomen. And so you guys went and found me little dresses that I could wear and loose pajamas and things like that. Um, nobody has enough cozy blankets when they don't feel good, you know, so things like that. But um, you reminded me when you were talking about uh, us looking sufficient is that I had a neighbor um, as you will remember, that always would come and get my kids and she took them to school and she brought them home from school. And sometimes she would take them to go get a treat after school and take them to, you know, whatever their practices were. And you took, I know you took Alyssa to her dance recital and helped her to get what she needed for that. And the things that help the the rest of the family feel like life is going on as normal as possible is very important to, you know, the survivor if they're, if they were a parent. Yes. It, it helped your mind not be full of, are the, you know, are my kids taken care of or is this being done? And, and I just think it's important that in what we're saying too, is that we often can think of the patient or think, you know, but maybe not think of the husband or think of the children or even think of the caregivers. I mean, your recovery was a year long. We were told that in the beginning and it, you know, it progressed and you needed us less and less. But I mean, one of the things that I think was so you know, significant too is, I mean, Billy still needed to work and he wanted to be with you when he was home or he felt like he really needed, he was making up for you not being there, trying to be with the kids. And so, um, you know, we were all trying to fill in those gaps for him as well. And, um, you know, I mean, we all just took turns rotating and, you know, but during that time, I mean, we have our own children and are raising our own children and we have our own jobs and we're missing work while we're, you know, living in Houston or, you know, coming to Arkansas or, you know, we have um, the, you know, the expense of all the travel and all of that. And people just blew me away. I mean, really, I mean, you know, both of us and all of our extended family with how they came along us as caregivers. And I mean, we had people give us the money. I mean, it was so expensive to rent near the hospital. And it was, I think I have in my memory, like $3,300 a month or something for that condo. And I mean, people gave us the money for our family as we would come and go to stay there. We, mm -hmm. they gave us gas cards. They gave us flight miles. Um, you know, to get there. They gave us coffee gift cards. Um, they did things for our own children or they brought food, you know, I mean, people in our church brought food to warning the kids when I was gone. Or what was so nice is after I'd been gone, caregiving, I would come home and I can remember when people would bring a meal for those first couple nights I was home. I mean, I was so grateful because, I mean, it, 
I was just exhausted. And I always would say, I don't know how you can be so exhausted just sitting in a hospital all day long or, you know, uh, but it's the emotional toll that it's taking. And just, um, so, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that I think we would encourage people, um, you know, and how they're going to give to uh, even just the caregivers when there's that opportunity. So, and it, it kept us going because we were getting weary Absolutely. at different times. So it definitely kept us going and would encourage our spirits too. So, and then we got to tell you about it and that would encourage you. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to move on to another question, unless you had anything else to say there, Christy, about the caregivers and just the practical part of this. So, um, you, you've already said a lot, but I just wonder if there's anything else that you could share that God's shown you about himself and life through the cancer that maybe you didn't know or live out pre-cancer. What, what would, would there be anything that you feel like God's shown you through all this that maybe you didn't know before? Yes, so many things. Um, the... I feel like there's a couple of main themes. Um, one is is learning how to be unsatisfied with the things of this earth, the things of the world. You know, I started out that first podcast saying life felt good. And yet so much suffering has taken place but we've learned so much about God's character we've we've learned so much about how faithful he is how how he never leaves us how he's going to provide how he's going to do that in the nick of time so that we know it's God he's never early and he's never late mm-hmm. he's just right on time and that's what his word says right he will be right on time and even the verse When you're talking about he will be a light um, unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Well, those old lamps, they only showed you the next step, right? And that's, that's how I feel like God has taught me the world can fall apart tomorrow. So live today so well. Do as much as you can today to be a light in a dark world, to bring God glory, to love those around you well um, in the way that God would want us to, because we can't see tomorrow yet and more suffering may come. We don't know that for sure, but that what we do know is that the things of this earth, a good job, um, good physicality, sexuality, um, a nice car, nice houses, a good income, a vacation, those things will not satisfy. When they are ripped away, if you do not have the ultimate person who can satisfy your soul, being Jesus Christ, you will still be just, I mean, you're just going to be miserable and you're going to be in despair. Mm -hmm. Um, In Psalms 27, 13, it said, David says, I would have despaired if I didn't believe I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. And I have thought about that so much because I feel like that's where my satisfaction comes from. God is going to be good to me in the land of the living. I believe that. And when I do get to see my day to go and meet him face to face, it's going to be all the sweeter. I don't think goodness is probably a good enough word for that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be um, something that's overflowing out of us in a way that we can't even comprehend in our human minds. And and I've learned to long for that. Um, 
not now. <laughs> I still joke. I, I feel like God hasn't laid it on my heart that it's my time. So I would be going kicking and screaming. I still feel like he is still giving me life and sustaining life in the land of the living. But my satisfaction comes from knowing his goodness here. And that one day I will overflow with that awe and wonder in heaven for him. And then uh, 2714 from Psalms goes on to say, wait patiently in the Lord. And patience is a huge piece that I would not say I was a patient person before this. Um, And I've learned so much in that area of how to be patient, not just with the Lord, but to be patient with those around me, because you don't know what's going on in your life, in their life. You don't know what they're dealing with day in and day out. And so to be able to be patient with them, to extend grace to them is such a a gift that we only can practice because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And then it goes on to say, be brave and courageous and repeat. Yes. Wait patiently on the Lord. Um, And being brave and courageous may look like believing that God is 100% in control in your mind, but acting as if it's up to you also. So we, I think it's a fine line to sit and say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Um, and I'm praying about it and I'm just waiting on the Lord. But also, you know, God says, there's a favorite verse of mine in Isaiah and it says, uh, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And I feel like God's saying walk, I'm going to direct you and I'm going to help you on your path, but you've got to walk. And I think it's a very fine line that we get caught up in waiting on the Lord, but also being brave and courageous and taking those next steps that have been put before us and praying for wisdom and knowledge and understanding in that. And I've learned that so much over and over and over. Um, And then the other piece that I feel like I've learned so much is how to relate to so many different kinds of people and what they're going through. You know, when, when I had to be in a wheelchair, suddenly I could have so much more compassion with somebody who's wheelchair bound. Um, When I couldn't eat anything, everything upset my stomach or made me nauseated or whatever. I can be so much more compassionate to people who have GI kind of diseases um, and what they're facing in that situation and how they just never feel good or, um, you know, in, in the different surgeries, I've just had different experiences with pain and how do, how do people live with chronic pain that never goes away and I can relate to them. And so it's just so many pieces that I feel like I can, God has shown me a way that I can relate to different people groups that I would not have been able to relate to, to empathize or sympathize with before. And that's, I feel like that's a real gift um, that's come through this, through this suffering. That's mm-hmm. really rich. It is. And when you're talking about a wheelchair, it brings back the memory of somebody who sewed you um, fully bags, you know, to cover up your, yes. your urine bag that would be on the side of the wheelchair. And it's like, none of us ever thought about this. Amy and I are pushing you through the airport. Like that's, that felt embarrassing. And it was already yes. hard being in the wheelchair, you know, but someone had thought to sew you and they're real fun fabrics and stuff that just, they covered. Yes, it went over the, it went over the whole line and tube all the way down to the bag and then over the bag. And it was just, was so great and and helpful. Yeah. I've had so many things like that um, that have happened, and yeah. you know, people have prayed over like a prayer shawl that they've knitted, and they've just prayed for me the whole time they were knitting it and sent it to me. It's just so many different things and people that I've been able to speak truth into their life, you know. And I feel like that's the verse where it says, you know, if if we do not share in Christ's suffering, we cannot share in His glory, and. I feel like I've been able to share in some of that glory in a way that I can, I can speak truth into someone's life 
life out of my own suffering and what God's taught me in a way that I would have never been able to um, 12 years ago. Mm. So good. It is good. Well, I know we could keep talking, but yes, there's so um, many just, I mean, great truths and encouragement and inspiring things that you're sharing, but we need to finish for today. And so as we, as we close up this podcast, uh, is there anything that you, you know, would like to leave with people today? I mean, it can be, you know, something that's kind of carried you, whether it's, you know, certain phrases or songs or Bible verses or, you know, certain things that have strengthened you and kept you um, through this ongoing battle. You've been mentioning many of them all the way through this, but I mean, do you have, you have, you have a word for Yeah, I've mentioned a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I've mentioned a lot of them, but, um, you know, two things. I think it's really important to, you know, when you're in the word that God will give you the verses that are going to speak to you specifically. Um, one that spoke to me very specifically, um, that I like to share is my middle name is Dawn. And I always felt like that sounded like a boy's name and I did not like it one Mm -hmm. little bit. And, um, as I was reading scriptures several years ago, I, I read in Psalm 46 and verse seven says, um, God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I felt like the dawn of morning was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and that mom and dad had given me that name and that it was saying to me that every, every day is a brand new day and it can be a beautiful thing if you are walking with God. And that, and, and that goes back to when it says God is within her mm-hmm. and it just felt very personal to me. And I've been able to, to claim that. And sometimes, you know, I'm just able to say, okay, God, I'm looking at the dawn of morning and you are within me and this is your day. And even in the hardest places, he, he will meet me there. Um, he will speak to me there. And when, when God gives you a verse, that's very personal and intimate to you, he -hmm. will meet you there. And so I just, I just encourage people to just get in the word, no matter how long you've been a believer, or if you even are a believer, um, but just get in the word and, and get to know who God is and, and be his friend and, and he'll walk through whatever it is that you're going through with you. And your name is spelled like that. (laughs) D-A-W-N. Yes, D A W N. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else? No. Just thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share my story, and um, and thank you to those listeners who have prayed for me, have followed my story, um, and and those that are joining in at this point, I, I covet those prayers and um, I know that they carry me 100% and that that is the reason that God's sustaining my life here. And so I'm just, I'm blessed by them and I appreciate you. Well, and we mentioned in the first podcast, but if you want to continue to follow her story, you can on her blog at rest um, in green meadows at blogspot.com. Or um, she actually posts her blog also on Facebook on her Team Christy uh, Prayer Warriors Facebook page. And Christy's name is K-R-I-S-T-I, if you try and search for that. so. And I, last time, closed in prayer today. I just want to close with these words from James 1.12, where James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And just thank you, Christy. You're an example to all of us as someone who remains steadfast under trial. And you, you're, you're a joy and just have life. And it's just such a joy to see that you're living life. And uh, I think the crown of life um, is something you know something of in this life, and certainly we'll all look forward to that mm-hmm. in the next life. So thank you. Um, and I just want you all to know that behind her on the wall yes. is a sign that says, I ain't done dancing with you yet. <laughs> is that what it's right? 
<laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah. I love it. I have to uh, dancing with dancing with my husband and dancing with life. Yeah, that's right. And it's the truth. I love that. That's Thank- behind you this whole time because I just think I need to tell the <laughs> audience because that is the truth about you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And those of you for, for our podcast, we'll look forward to talking to you again in our next podcast and uh, have, a, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. And we pray that today's episode brought you hope and encouragement. If you are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, or want to reach out and contact us, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and share this episode on social media. Have a great week, and God bless.